Well, we are going to be talking about obedience today, and we are in Haggai finishing up chapter 1. I tend to enjoy the Peanuts comic strip, okay? I know Charles Schultz has died, but it's still around. Are you familiar with that? Maybe some of you youngsters out there are like, huh? If I said Charlie Brown or, or Snoopy, can you think of any other characters? Linus, Lucy, Pigpen. How about Sally? That's one not quite as familiar. Well, in one particular Peanuts comic strip, Sally was struggling with her memory verse for Sunday. She had a memory verse for Sunday she was struggling with. And she was trying so hard to figure it out that when she remembered this, and this was her quote in the strip, and it was this, maybe it was something from the book of re-evaluation. She got a little confused there. But that speaks to me because guess what? We all need, in fact, I would say we often need reevaluation from the Lord. Has the Lord ever reevaluated what you were up to, what was going on in your life, what you were doing? In fact, our passage will use a phrase, and I would say often I think we need to be reevaluated re in such a way that we need to be stirred up. You ever been stirred up? We need to be stirred up. You see, our actions and attitudes need to be in line with the truth of God's Word. Yet we know, we live here, that we're not often that way. We don't always get around to it. So I'm going to take a poll this morning before we read the Scripture. It's called the Procrastinator's Poll. And I'm going to ask you to be brave and vulnerable, okay? I want you to raise your hand if this has ever happened to you. I finished my taxes the second week of April. Anybody? If I owe, I am that way. I don't know if it's procrastination, but they're not getting my money till the last second, all right? Okay, got a few of you. How about this one? Be honest now, we've just come through this season. I'm still buying Christmas presents the week of Christmas. Put them up. Oh my goodness. Wow. All right, even more procrastination. I even buy presents on Christmas Eve. Anybody? Oh, of course these young Men do that, yes, all right, good. I haven't got all of you yet. Now, think if you're in school, great, or university or whatever, or if you finish that, think about back then. I usually cram for tests. I got to raise my hand on that one. I did that. It would drive Lynn crazy. I would cram for a test and then go in, and she would study, 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 and study, and study, 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 and just grown over that. All right. How about this one? I usually finish papers or work projects last minute. Anybody? Wow. All right. I'm getting ready to get all of you. Some of you super spiritual people we haven't got yet. We're going to get you. I often have unfinished house projects, uh, car projects, and hobbies. Both hands up for me. And the last one, very practical. I leave unwashed dishes in the sink. Shame on you. <laughs> yeah. So we tend to be that way. Obedience is one thing, but immediate obedience is a little tougher because we're prone to kind of not get around to things sometimes. Last week we looked at the priority of God's glory and the work of his kingdom. Priority. Priority number one. Today we look at obedience. And God's revelation, listen to me, God's revelation always demands a response of obedience. The big idea today is this. God is with those 
who obediently commit to do his work for his glory. God is with those who immediately, obediently commit to do his work for his glory. So we're going to read Haggai 1, verses 12 through 15. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shatil, the high priest, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and the entire remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord, their God, and the words of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord, their God, had sent him. So the people feared the Lord. Haggai, the Lord's messenger, delivered the Lord's message to the people. I am with you. This is the Lord's de declaration. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shatil, governor of Judah, the spirit of the high priest Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. They began work on the house of Yahweh of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the second, sixth month in the second year of King Darius. Amen. So thank you, Tara, for reading that. Earlier this month was National Braille Day, and uh, what a great thing to read God's Word. And if you couldn't tell up there, she has a device where she was doing the Braille and reading the Scripture. I should apologize for all the hard names that she was having to read. But I want you to get a picture of that. That's significant to me. What's the vision for Hopmantown Church? To be a multi-generational, multi-ethnic body of believers who reach out. And within that, I don't know how to say it politically correct, so get over it if I mess up here, but that includes if someone is blind, what a great servant of God, right? She was singing in the choir, if you notice, okay? Or, or someone who can't hear, or whatever it might be, we're created by God, and whoever you are, come. Can we say that? Whatever sin you might be involved in, come. God will speak to you through his word and take care of it. So I, I just thought it was neat to, to, hear, uh, to hear her re read that as she did with her fingers. That's just, I, I just can't comprehend that. It's just awesome. But to get a picture of what it means to be a multi-this and a multi-that church. Let's pray. God, we have read your word. We have listened to it. And we ask that it would pen penetrate our hearts. The passage today is simple yet profound. Would you speak to us? Would you touch us? Would you change us? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we've got a few points today. You'll find the sermon notes there in your copy of the compass, the bulletin. And in the first part of verse 12, we see that Zerubbabel and the high priest Joshua and the entire remnant of the people obeyed the words of the prophet Haggai because the Lord had sent him their way. So 
when we ever talk about obey, the question I always have, I want to start with today, the first point is obey the Lord. You probably figured that out. Obey the Lord. But why is it that people sometimes refuse to listen? Why is it that sometimes people refuse to repent of their sinful ways? And I'm not talking about some abstract person. I'm talking about me and you. Why is it that we're that way? Why is obedience so hard? So I went to Scripture just uh, some of the times leading up to Haggai's day, and I found too many to mention, but I'm going to mention a few examples of people who had immediate obedience without delay. That's what I want. God, I, I don't want just to be obedient. God, I want you to help me immediately obey you. When I'm reading your word, when I'm praying, when you speak to me, I want to be able to immediately do it. Anybody else have a desire like that? I'm telling you, that's a lot better than the alternative. Anyway, here's some examples. You ever heard of a guy named, in Genesis 6, Noah and the ark? Got to work decade after decade. He didn't wait 30 years to start. How about in Genesis 12? Abram, a crazy request from God. Leave your homeland. Immediately obeyed. You can read about in Genesis 12. Samuel immediately anoints David when God commands that, 1 Samuel 16. And of course, something very fresh on our mind from the book of Ruth, Boaz doesn't wait around. He immediately redeems Ruth as kinsman family redeemer. Now, we should do one bad example. We've studied this, I think, sometime last year, and that was Jonah. Do you remember him? Not a good example of immediate uh, obedience. In fact, I call his obedience eventual obedience. Have you ever experienced that in your life? That's sometimes a school of spiritual hard knocks. Eventual obedience. It took him two tries. It took him three nights in the belly of a fish to finally obey. Folks, let's just be logical for a minute. Do you see how much better it is to obey immediately than to go the way of Jonah? It's just crazy. But yet we're in that moment when we're battling, we have a crisis of faith, or we're just whatever it is, it's, it's, it's hard to remember Jonah and say, God, I don't want to be like Jonah. Let's go. But I want to think about that today. Zerubbabel, here in the Scripture, and Joshua, these leaders, they led in a change of heart. You'll remember those first 11 verses we looked at and how priority number one was supposed to be the glory of God and the work or service in his kingdom. And we'll remember specifically what it was, rebuilding the temple, and they had not been doing that. And so there's this change of heart in this passage. And then the scripture says in the first part of verse 12 that the rest of the people, they're called remnant here in scripture. That word means residue or remainder. The remainder or the residue, the remnant of the people followed their example. Do you see how powerful that would be? For the leaders to lead and for the people to follow, not as parrots or robots, but in immediate obedience to the Lord. So the key word here, of course, is the word obeyed. Now, we know how to define the word obeyed. It means to obey, right? 
to be obedient. But this word is a little more rich. Let me help you with this Hebrew word just a little bit. Here's what I boiled it down to. To hear intelligently and be obedient. Do you see that qualifier there? To hear intelligently and be obedient. Listen, when God saved us, he didn't just save part of us. He saved all of us. And that includes the ability to hear from him and hear intelligently from him. And there be no mistake, no doubt to follow him. It's clear. Has the Lord ever spoken to you and has been clear? Okay, I've asked one too many times to raise hands because hardly anyone's doing that. I know more of that you have happened to that. Maybe you're writing. Maybe you're not. I don't know. Yes, the Lord speaks to us, and it's understandable, I believe. Sometimes it requires prayer and other things, but it's understandable. And so the key word is obedient, but to, to obey. But, but I want to know, obey what or whom? Well, the Scripture shows us. It's very clear, two parts. The voice of the Lord and the messenger of the Lord. The voice of the Lord and the messenger of the Lord, according to the first part of verse 12. When God touches a person, one convincing evidence of this is that the person obeys God's instruction and fully trusts him. I just read that statement a few weeks ago, and it hit me. A compelling or convincing evidence that you are a person that God has saved and you are obediently following him is that you obey his instructions. You don't look for a way out or a plan B. You obey his instruction. And within that, you must and you will fully trust him that he is God, that he is sovereign, that he knows what's going on. And so let us, let, let's help ourselves with this idea of o, o, obeying the Lord and doing it right away. It's important for us to remember that God's word, I can't say this enough, God's word brings repentance and obedience. You know Hebrews 4, chapter 12. Maybe you don't. You should. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is living and affected and sharper than what? Sharper than any double-edged sword penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And I love the last line of Hebrews 4.12. It is able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. Obey the Lord. Hopefully leaders will do that. Hopefully the people of God will do that. It's not up for debate. God, give me the faith to obey you, obey you immediately, and follow with whatever it is. How simple or easy it may seem, or how profound and difficult it may seem. It may turn your life upside down. I'm reminded of a couple of my kids, how they have immediately obeyed the Lord, and it completely turned their life upside down. They sold everything they owned to go. Let's note this, one, one thing, okay? I, I'm not saying that every situation requires an instant obedience, okay? I want you to know that. You see, if there's no moral command or if there's no clear personal calling from God, it's permissible about these other things 
to pray, to take time making the decision. But that's not hard for us to do that. What I'm talking about are those times when we need to immediately obey. I've heard it said this way, the present moment is the perfect time to live God's way. Maybe you're searching today. Maybe you've been coming for a while. Maybe you've been thinking about these things. You've been listening. You've been reading God's Word. Uh, let me tell you, right now is the time to go ahead and start living God's way if you're not. Not tomorrow. Why have one more day of searching? Why have one more day of hurt and pain? Why have one more day without full purpose and meaning to life? Why not just follow and live God's way right now? And the question I have as we think about obey the Lord is this. What is holding you back right now? What is holding you back right now? What is it? I'm pretty sure you know what it is. Obey. Immediately. Well, let's move on in verse 12. And we see the last part of verse 12. It says this. It's very straightforward. So the people feared the Lord. Point number two, fear the Lord. Obey the Lord, but also fear the Lord. You see, this immediate action of obedience that the Lord was calling for led the people to do what? Fear the Lord. Now, fear is a little different than our English word for fear. In fact, in one commentary, it was listed this way. There's no single English word to convey every aspect of of the word fear in this phrase. In fact, if you will look up in a biblical language dictionary, you will find a number of English words listed for the word that's used here. And some more than other, fear, but other ones like that. Maybe we could think of the meaning this way. It includes this. Fearing the Lord includes worshipful, worshipful submission, reverential awe, there's that, and obedient respect which we would call honor to the covenant-keeping God of Israel. That's what that word is. So how about an example? I immediately thought of Isaiah. Remember the prophet Isaiah? Do you remember he, when, he, when he saw the Lord? High and lifted up? Um, he feared the Lord. It wasn't shaking in your boots like, you know, you're going to get run out of town. or It was this. Let me read to you. Isaiah 6, 5. See if you can see this, this idea. This was his response. This was how he feared the Lord. Then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined. How's that? Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see that? It's not fear where I'm going to go into my house and lock myself in and never come out. It's a fear that it, it involves this reverence, this submission, this worship, this obedience, this honor. And it is going to change me. I am going to have the spotlight on me and go, uh-oh, woe is me. I am ruined. Why? Because I am a sinner. You see, here the people obeyed God immediately and they honored him by beginning to rebuild the temple. Notice their attitude changed. Fear God. And their actions changed. 
they got to work. So let me ask you today, how is your attitude right now towards God? How is your attitude towards God? Do you revere Him? Do you give Him all glory? Or how about this? What actions are you doing right now? Are you working in God's kingdom? Are you serving in God's kingdom? So we see here in this passage, obey the Lord. Fear the Lord. Then we get to verse 13. Experience the presence of the Lord. Experience the presence of the Lord. Look, just, just because we obey, or even immediately, doesn't mean all our problems and issues suddenly disappear. Are you aware of that? Can we be real? Is that not true? Problems and issues just don't go away because we immediately obey. I just finished reading. I, I rarely read a book in just two days. But Robbie Gallaty, who is a, a, a Southern Baptist pastor in Tennessee, has the most ridiculous testimony of drug abuse, it, just everything. And he wrote a book, and it is fantastic. And I got so hooked that I couldn't put it down. I was even not very nice on the plane. I just sat down and started reading before we ever locked up the door and took off. I just was, was I read it at night in the morning. It was just amazing to see because I thought I knew Robbie Gallaty, this famous pastor of this big church in Tennessee, writing these wonderful books on discipleship that I love. But the fact is, even after he was saved, he still struggled with addiction and other things. And he went back to try to talk to and help his friends who he hung out with. And instead of him redeeming them, he got sucked in. I it was just amazing, and it reminded me, just because we obey, or even obey immediately, whatever the call of God is on us, it doesn't mean problems and issues suddenly disappear. Think about these people for a minute. These people, this remnant. The drought was still there. The Persians were still ruling. The Samaritans were still opposed to the rebuilding of the temple. And they still had limited resources. It was a big deal. But God. Have you ever heard that phrase, but God? Go on the internet sometime. There's a number of sermons that are called But God. It's very encouraging of how many times it looks bleak, but God. Or how am I going to get through this, but God. Or how am I going to obey immediately, but God. And in their case, that is what happens. We don't have the phrase but God, but that's the idea. He always brings a message of hope. You see, God is our chief encourager. Look at verse 13. Haggai, the Lord's messenger, delivered the Lord's message to the people. You got it? The Lord's declaration. Here it is. I am with you. Not I am, but I am with you. We must experience the presence of the Lord. He brings this message of hope. Wow. Now here's what I want you to get. Read that and read it again. So you see, God both is with them and God will be with them. In fact, in Hebrew, which is not good English, here's the phrase, and it's a strong, emphatic phrase. You ready? I with you. It covers it all. I with you. That What reassurance. What amazing promise to think if I can obey you, God. 
If I will fear you, if I will revere you, if I will be in submission to you, if I will worship you, if I will honor you, if I will follow you, you declare, I am with you. I with you. It's a strong word of assurance. And God repeatedly uses his promise of his presence to those whom he calls to specific tasks. And often these tasks, if you'll think about them, there's a great pressure or there's even danger. And the Lord in Scripture over and over again says, I, I call you to this. It's crazy what I want you to do, but I am with you. In Genesis 26, he does this. I am with you to Isaac. In Jacob in 28, you'll remember this passage. I am with you. Do you remember Moses and the call and the burning bush? In Exodus chapter 3, God says, I am with you. Joshua 1, when Joshua's got to take over, and Moses is no more, and Joshua has to take over, God says, I am with you. In Jeremiah chapter 1, which we read a verse from earlier, in the difficulty of how am I going to prophesy in this world, I am with you. Furthermore, it's the same message that ends the Great Commission. Do you remember? Do you remember Matthew 28? 18 through 20, we remember 18 maybe, 19 we remember, but we forget 20. Listen to it. Here's the great commission. And remember, these are Jesus' words before he leaves them. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I would submit to you today that the first gift of Immediate obedience is God's presence. You want God's presence in your life? Obey immediately and watch what happens. What an encouragement to these people for the tasks that were ahead. It's an impossible task. The same encouragement is available to us today. In the great chapter of Romans chapter 8, I love that chapter. There is a short verse towards the end. It's Romans 8, 31. And it says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? We get fired up about that verse, don't we? But do we live that way? Do we have immediate obedience, realizing the promise from God's word, if God is for us, who can be against us? It doesn't matter what he's asking me to do or who he wants me to go talk to or what ministry I need to be involved in or what relationship I need to be part of repairing. It does not matter what it is. He's with us, and if God is for us, who can be against us? Do you know, I, let me just be real, I don't live my life always based on Romans 8, 31. Do you? Do you? I get hung up on this and that. Come on. Do you guys? If God is for me, Lamar, who can be against me, Lamar? Not in what I'm doing, but what God has asked me to do. I, I hope you'll let that percolate this week. And let me ask you this question. Are you experiencing God's presence in your life? Are you experiencing his encouragement in your life? Obey him. Fear him. And you will experience his presence in your life. And if you're not, immediately obey what he is asking of you. 
Well, let's finish up with verses 14 and 15. And I want you to think about this. Obey the Lord. Fear the Lord. Experience the Lord's presence. And resolve for the Lord. It's the best word I could come up with. I'm still not happy with it exactly, but that's what I see it say. Look at it. Look at verse 14. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of the high priest Joshua, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. They began work on the house of Yahweh of hosts, the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. Folks, we're just talking about weeks that have transpired. That's it. Just a matter of a few short weeks. Please notice, though, it is not some eloquent, persuasive talk from Haggai that wins the day. If you are here just for a preacher to give this eloquent, persuasive word, stop. Get God's word into you. We read God's word. We studied God's word. It's his word. It's not our word. And we look at it. And we should have resolve. In verse 14, we see clearly it is God who stirred up the leaders and all the people. Again, I ask you, you ever been stirred up? Some of you have been worked up. That's a, diff- that's a little different. But it's the cousin. Have you been stirred up to give God glory and do the things of the Lord? It's God who does this. And guess what happens? Revival comes. So the first gift of immediate obedience is God's presence. I believe the second gift of immediate obedience is revival. Perhaps not worldwide revival, but revival in our lives, in our hearts, in our souls. And I would tell you today, we need to be stirred up. Write this down. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. Romans 3, 10 through 12. Why be stirred up? As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. But, but Lamar, no, not even one. I think in one of my Bibles, I marked that out and went, not even Lamar. I think I wrote that in one of my Bibles. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become useless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. That's how we're born. That's how we come into the world. Unless Jesus transforms us, that's where we stay. So why is it good to be stirred up? Because we need the saving power of Jesus in our lives. We need need God to transform us. And praise God, because of Jesus' work on the cross, the resurrection, his work in our lives, we can be stirred up. Kind of like Paul. Listen to Colossians 1, 28 and 29. We're almost done. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. Wow, that's what I want to be like when I grow up. So what are the results? We see the results here. We're we're going to see more and more of it in this study. God restores their vision. He renews their energy for the tasks that lay before them. Improbable, impossible tasks. 
A change of heart we've seen has taken place. The leadership and then the people, and they now want to do the work of God, and they share a common vision. They share enthusiasm for the work because God has met the people, and he's changed them from the inside out. What a beautiful picture for us today. It has been stated in this way. Spiritual transformation happens when God stirs up the winds of change in people's hearts and convicts them of sin and emboldens them to act in faith. God, stir me up. Now, it gets messy, doesn't it? Have you ever got a paint, a can of paint, and it's full, and you got to stir it. It can get messy if you're not careful, all right? But that's okay. you got to stir it up. Why? Because it may have had different tints in there, and you, you want this wall to look just like that wall. Be stirred up. It's change in our hearts. It's conviction of our sin. It's being bold to act in faith. Let me quote from John Piper on this. If we will ask him and trust him, God not only works with us, but he moves in to stir up our spirit and give us a heart for the work. He doesn't want, I love this, he doesn't want crusty diehards in his work. So if you're crusty, get over it. He doesn't want crusty diehards in his work. He wants free and joyful laborers. And so he promises to be with them and stir them up to love the work. And he mentions this passage right here. So the question this morning is, are you being stirred up? Has spiritual transformation come to your life recently? Did you hear me? Our testimony is important. But I was saved many decades ago, all right? The question I want people to ask of me is, has there been spiritual transformation in my life recently? It's the idea that God saves us, right? But he continually is working the process of sanctification. He's continually setting us apart, making us more like him. In essence, continuing to save us each day as we go through life. Do you love God's work? Do you give him glory? I don't mean a quick prayer. I mean, is it the hallmark of our life that we're giving God glory for everything? Let me close in this way. Here's the crux of the matter. Many try to do God's work in their own strength. We strive and we strive and we strive, and yet we often accomplish very little. Our lives yield little fruit. You see, all of us need the power of God's presence. We need His Spirit in our daily lives. We need to be attached to Him. He's the true vine. Listen to John 15, verses 4 and 5. Abide or remain. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. In me, this is Jesus talking. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides or remains in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, sure, you can get a degree. Oh, sure, you can move up 
and become more competent in your profession. Oh, sure, you could get married. Oh, sure, you could have a family. Oh, sure, you could buy a house. Oh, sure, you could do a lot of things. But spiritually, the things that matter, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. And I want to ask you something today. This is what I've been praying. Would you join me in persevering? Would you join me in persevering? Would you join me in staying focused, even laser focused, on what God has called each of us to do? Would you obey with me? You remember we studied a while back the book of Galatians. And we came across a powerful verse, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. So we must not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we, do you remember? Don't give up. Chuck Swindoll said it this way, Haggai's encouragement to rebuild the temple in the face of the Jews' neglect brings to mind the Apostle Paul's exhortation to Christians to build our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. We don't have time to read that, but you might read that and look at that. We are to build our lives not on any of that other stuff, but on the foundation of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say this, are you building a life that reflects your status as a temple of the Holy Spirit, leaving a legacy that will stand the test of time? You see, it's a little different for us. Jesus came, the Messiah. He died for us. He conquered sin and death, the power of Satan, all that stuff when he rose again. Isn't that right? And now he sent the Spirit to dwell within us. So now for us, it's not the idea of rebuilding. We're we're not going back and trying to rebuild Solomon's temple or whatever again. He is building this temple the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I ask you today, do you know Jesus? You don't have God's Spirit in your life. You are not a temple of the Spirit of God if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus? Are you led by Him? Scripture's clear. We read that passage in Romans a few minutes ago that nobody's righteous, not even one. But the beauty of the fact is, even though Romans says that all have sinned, the book of Romans also tells us, but God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us, even though we're sinners. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. It's a gift he offers you today. If you haven't received it, would you? Would you just run from your life and run to him? And let him rescue you. Let him save you. Ask for forgiveness. He will forgive you. He will save you. Ask for him to be the boss of your life, the controller of your life. The Lord, would you do that? If you've done that, will you be led by him this week? Will you obediently, immediately commit to work for his glory? Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for your scripture. Even a passage that seems obscure in our Bibles, just a little book 
towards the end of the Old Testament. We know they are your words. We know they are your revelation to us. And God, we thank you for how you speak to us through your word. And God, I pray that today, whatever is in our hearts right now, our minds, I truly believe, God, that you have placed something on each life in this room. Whether it be to begin that relationship with you, to be saved, whether it means you've called some people here to do something, whether it's something simple or something profound, something that appears easy or impossibly difficult, that we would immediately obey, that priority would come to our life this year. God, we know that you can do it. God, I pray that we would submit to you, that we would follow you. God, I pray this year for story after story to come out of this body of believers of what you're doing in lives as we immediately obey you. God, I pray we'll share what you're doing in our lives with others. God, help us to commit to service and work in your kingdom and to give you glory. And God, where it's needed, help us to allow you to rebuild your temple that is us, the temple of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. We're going to have a brief time of response, so I'd ask that you would stand right now and that you would just spend a moment. I've been talking, and now we're going to have the Lord speak to you. Just stand with me and spend a moment in prayer and ask God to customize his word right into your heart. I'll be right here. I've got friends that will be up here. If you'd like to come pray, we would love to do that. If you have a question, we'd love for you to come and share. If you need to do business with God right where you are, would you just allow him to begin working in whatever that is in your life? Respond to him. By faith, ask him to give you that faith we sung about. Trust him, believe him. my prayer today is not that we would just come to church like every Sunday and go home but that you would change us I pray that we would not just click on a computer screen or a TV and watch and listen and participate and then go on but that you would change us God may we reflect you through our lives may we realize that we 
temple of the Holy Spirit, that you're in us and working in us. And you call us to things, sometimes difficult things. God, help us to obey. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.